Look at us. Uh, good morning. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Popping a pee, popping a pee. <laughs> This is great. This is great. So I should let the audience know because they're like, these two guys are going to do bits for an hour and I got to know who I'm talking to. Sure. Uh, friends, welcome back to the Rachel LaForce show. A show of any other name would just be harder to Google. You're right. Um, I am so excited. You guys know that sometimes I talk to uh, guests that I have had to ask multiple times to be on my show and I'm super intimidated. And sometimes I have the luxury of talking to some of my favorite people in comedy, uh, and today is exactly that. So we're going to be talking to comedian, podcaster, producer, screenwriter, and father of the year, Ross Kimball. Wow. Thank you for having me. You're so Holy welcome. Cow. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. How's your day going? Uh, busy. Oh, look at me going into podcast mode. Just interviewing you right off the bat. Just, Shame on me. What? Little slap. You know Little slap on the wrist. <laughs> Uh, uh, I'm good. Busy, busy time. Busy time. We're kind of like doing small renovations on our house as we go through. So I've got a buddy of mine who does a lot of construction. So he's downstairs doing the grout in our hall bathroom down there. So, you know, was minding that project. We've got ADT here, uh, setting up a new home security system. Maybe this isn't a part of the show here. I go again, put my, uh, host hat on, uh, is this going to be, is this a project for you guys to like live in long-term? Are we flipping it? Are we still uh, communicating with the best husband in the world, Alex Ketlin, like what we want to do? So, yeah, I mean, to Alex, he's like, it's fine. I don't know why you have to fix all of these things. Like he's just sure. like, so like on the track of uh, our business. So I'm kind of taking lead. So this is my childhood home the house that we live in right now. And so it's huge. It's great. It's like right on a Creek. It's in a great neighborhood, Um, but it's (laughs) been sitting for a long time. It's old. So uh, we've just slowly, yes, we plan to be here for probably, I don't know, maybe three to five years, probably. Um, But I've also learned that I'm never going to make a plan because every time I've been like, yeah, this is where we're going to be. And then it's not at all what happens. So yeah. I'm just, you know, flying by the seat of my pants. Well, I, I am. Uh, I'm, I'm in the same boat. My wife and I uh, are in the same boat, and it's it's fun and it's challenging and it's like it's frustrating at times. But it's also it's nice to know like you're not in charge. Like you can control what you can control. Uh, but it's awesome that you have like these little projects on top of other projects. You know. <laughs> it's, yeah, you it's, know. Yeah, it's I busy, think fun busy. is maybe the right word. Yeah, mm-hmm, fun mm-hmm. is super, super fun. Well, I think for me, I mean, in all reality, like we work out of our home, Alex yeah. and I. Yeah. And like right now, I'm actually recording this podcast like in his office. So I don't even have like my own kind of creative space set up in the house yet. So I'd like to get, you know, like a very like white woman neon sign that says like the Rachel LaForce show, you know, and like kind of have my own real setup and have a place that like you know, I could do all my auditions from and just really have a creative space. Um, And we're in our home all the time. And now we're raising a family and all of our, you know, uh, all of our other family just kind of all ends up congregating here. So I really just want to curate like a really beautiful space that I'm like stoked to be in. Um, You know, it's happening. What? It's happening. It's It's happening. happening. You, you post these things every once in a while. Um, uh, on top of your, your regular content, but I like, and I know it's a part of, uh, and I hate saying it, but the brand, but you have like these moments where you're just out in the backyard on your porch and you just like slowly scan the backyard and you, you take us there and it's a nice little slice of life stuff where it's not, it's just, it's just different. And I, I appreciate it. And, and I oh. look at that, I'm like, Oh, that's what I, yeah, that's what, that's what I want. That's what I want. <laughs> I yeah. just want to be able to like step out in the back porch and hear nature. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and escape it for a little bit. I love yeah. that. Well, and yeah. you're a huge, well, thank you for saying that. Yeah. I feel like 
it's, um, yeah, it's so nice to, cause we kind of live more in the suburbs. And so since being back and everyone's like, dude, what's that transition like coming from LA and now you like live in like a legit suburb and Alex and I are like, oh, we love it. We're absolutely like, give me a strip mall. Like we love it because we've always lived in such big cities and we are like in super close proximity to Atlanta and obviously get down there a lot for shows and all the things, right? So I feel like I still get to exercise those really cool things, but I love kind of being tucked in this cul-de-sac. Yeah. And just being able to step outside and like, yeah, kind of like hear myself think for a moment. We moved out to the uh, middle of the pandemic. We moved out to the deep, deep valley, like close to Calabasas, like, like way, 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 way out. For, uh, still LA County, but it's like on the edge of LA County and it's suburbs. It's quiet. We hear raccoons fight. We have to take out the trash cans. I have to bring them back up. Otherwise I get a, a stern look from someone walking a dog. Um, it's, it's great. It's great. And you know, you have those moments and we both were in our twenties in Chicago thinking like, this is it. I'm going to be a city person. I'm going to be, Send my kids to like uh, city schools and they're, they're going to learn to ride the bus when they're four by themselves. And and now I'm out here and like, this is like, this is nice. And you're starting to think of schools and you're starting to think of like, okay, well, you know, it's going to be weird for them. They've never worn cleats before and I have to get cleats for them for soccer. And like, are they going to walk in the house cleats? And like, you're thinking of that. And it's, it's wild how your brain, have you read the, have you read or heard of the idea like your brain and your body shifts like every seven years or seven yes. to eight years, like your body shifts. And the first time I heard about that was uh, when I was at Six Flags Great America. My dad of course. loved, loved roller coasters. Like when I was maybe like 11 or 12. And then when I was in high school, uh, we went on a whim and I'd, I'd invite my dad because he's awesome. And we're like, oh, let's go. And he's like, can't do it anymore seven years and I was like what and then I looked into it like he knew about it <laughs> and I it, it literally on the dot seven years he couldn't do it anymore and then I'm sure I'm sure he's fine with it now or who knows but what he's yeah what has dad evolved to now that's so I, funny yeah. I love that you learned about this like fairly like spiritual like you know metaphysical principle when your dad's oh, like really? you can't get on a roller coaster can't do it yeah, so, okay, really. so we were, we were talking about Chicago. Take me uh -huh. back because uh -huh. so I actually don't know if I've ever told you this. And when I got to do one of your podcasts, because you are a man of the pods and good at parties, which is one of your podcasts. Mm -hmm. And I was able to and I got to come over and see the family and see your house. And so I didn't really want to walk in and be like, so I've like really, you know, loved your comedy for a really long time. And, you know, it's like, be cool. <laughs> Be cool, you know, especially because that was like kind of right. We were coming out of the pandemic too. Uh, I know we're still in it, but we're, you know, quarantines yeah. and things were lifting, at least in, in California. Yeah. And so I was like, yeah, I haven't seen people in a while. Like, just don't freak anybody out. Okay. Just be cool. Um, you don't have I, to worry about freaking me out at all. Were you on like, computer? Was I that was, the name of yeah. You? Okay. Daniel okay. Strauss, Dave Marr, Jenny Quinn, and myself. Uh, that was like a little indie team that I was, I was so thankful to be a part of because those three guys so funny uh and so they're just a fun hang they're a real fun hang and we did a bunch of like indie shows um and, like the playground and uh we actually our, our second show was at a, a club the crocodile lounge i will never forget this show yeah, they because gave you free we, pizza yeah, they gave you free pizza <laughs> but also do you remember they wouldn't stop the dj set they would just have <laughs> you be on on stage and the dj would keep playing music and you'd have to yep. do improv comedy yeah, in front of people out. that were not there for improv comedy. Yeah, they were for sure not there for improv comedy. Yeah. It was like a nightclub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People dancing, and we'd be like, okay, uh, can we get a location that would fit on the stage? <laughs> like a Starbucks uh, or a bathroom or Starbucks yeah, bathroom. Anything, like anything, anything. Nobody? Okay, okay. Well, uh, okay. Uh, Abadi Abudai is all I can hear right now because that is playing so loud. Eiffel 65. <laughs> well, you know, and I always, I, I think because it's been so long since I was performing in all of those spaces, like the best thing about having to perform in a bunch of shitty environments is to me, it builds confidence because it has to, you're making like improv comedy to me when it's done well, 
there's nothing more magical in the world. And I, I'm full disclosure, love close up magic. Okay. Big fan. Oh, uh, I embarrass people around me. Uh, I, mean, I went to the magic castle. I was lucky enough to go to the magic castle. The first like couple of years I was here. And uh, if you don't know what the magic castle is, you have to like get invited and you can't take any pictures and it's just room, but rooms filled with people, but also these little tables, magicians doing close up magic, screaming, howling, yeah. howling. I'm yeah. losing my mind. Uh, and I love that stuff. I think, yeah, I'm very uh, whimsical in that way where I, I love magic. I love people that can like sing well. I love people that like if there's a trumpet on a couch and someone picks it up and it's just like, I'm like, I'm losing my mind. I love watching people do something that they're good at. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, oof, I love that so much. I feel like, so Alex and I were in DC last week for, uh, it wasn't a wedding. It was supposed to be their wedding. And then during COVID, so they got married, but they couldn't get refunded for the party. So two years oh. later, they just had the party, which I would say is the only weddings I want to go to ever again. Can I say that is how you do a wedding? 100%. You just say it's a party and you just get a bunch of like just cheap pizza, beer, wine, whatever you want to do and just do it that way. Well, Looking back at my wedding, which was a small wedding, I'm like, we should have just... And I, listen, I had a, I had a blast. Yeah. Hire, hire like, hire two photographers that you find on Instagram that have less than like two thousand followers, but they have good pictures and like yeah. they have like cool lights and stuff. I don't know that. I think that might be a solo episode that I do on good at parties. Ooh, how to do a wedding weddings? on the cheap? Oh yeah, just oh, yeah. do because I had I've had the my buddy Brendan Leonard on, uh, and he talked about dance circles uh, at weddings and how to. Uh, yeah and that is i have a whole opinion well, that's a whole on ecosystem circles. yeah so anyway well uh, so anyway you guys were in dc so we're, we're at this wedding and they had this like seven piece like funk band and there was this bass player that just you know and it, it was one of those where you know everybody's kind of getting drunk not really paying attention and this band is up there giving it you yeah. know, and I think because of all of the shitty bars I've done comedy at and all the places where it's just like you're literally showing somebody your art and your talent and they're like, you know, blowing coke in the bathroom. Like you're just like not saying that's what people are doing at this wedding, but just, you know, where I was like, nobody cares. And and I just found myself just enamored with these people and I stayed and I I probably danced for like a solid 90 minutes like didn't yeah. leave the dance floor yeah I was just like oh my gosh I am just so in awe of other people's talents and I think because LA kind of jaded me to that because it's always like well, what do you got and I feel like you're always like being like well I can do this and I can also do this and I can stand on my head if you want me to you know yeah. like you're just always like peddling your wares that I don't think I, in a really long time, have truly taken in like everyone else's gifts. Sure. And I'm like, well, what, I, what a disservice to not see other people's gifts. Well, I think people that don't do, how do I word this? Uh, people that aren't in like the creative fields or that have like a, uh, like a highly hyper-focused skill they don't see that there was a woodshop moment or like a woodshed moment where like no one was seeing this for a long time. Like it's, it's a classic overnight success. It's like, where'd this people, person come from? Well, they're doing stand-up or they were like, they were uh, making uh, greeting cards for 15 years. And now like they, they've been painting for a long time or they've been doing comedy for a long time or playing music. And for me, I appreciate that. And I like pointing out uh, when people are really good at something, I like whoever's around me, I'm like, oh, they they were doing this when no one was looking. Yeah. When no one was looking, that's when, and I think for me, it's really hard because of what I do, and maybe I can speak for you, what we do is we put ourselves out there in front of people where it's like, hey, this is what I can do. And it's either, you know, laughing or it's like uh, hearing that like, oh, that was good. I really like that. Or reading something that you wrote. You want to hear that feedback. I think in some some lanes, they're just doing it because they love it. And I think going back to how I got into all this comedy and just entertaining people, I loved it. And I, I'll be honest with you, a few years out here in LA, I wasn't loving it. It was more of like, you know, I'm good at this, and I, I'm like, it was just a desperation. And now I'm slowly falling back into, oh, this is why I'm 
back in this because I love it. And if you have that, if you have that, like it's that sweet spot of like loving it and also having like your, you, it's a gift that you have. Yeah. And that's the sweet spot of when you watch someone do their thing and they're enjoying it and they're good at it. You're like, Oh, either you appreciate it or you think, Oh, that's what I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I think you're totally right. And that, that place of enjoyment for me, I similarly, I, I feel like I hadn't felt that in so long and I'm still kind of rediscovering that joy. Like this question's really been on my mind recently, which is like, why am I choosing to do these things? Hmm. Like I always loved performing growing up, but I'm not so focused on acting anymore. Cause I honestly think screen acting is kind of boring and I don't yeah. really have it in me anymore to like really do the hustle of like, maybe that one day I'll get that multicam. Like, I just don't really have it in me anymore. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. Like I've accepted that, but now given if you were like, Hey, you can start a Broadway show for the next, you know, two years like 100%. I will do anything to make that dream happen. Yeah. Like being on stage for me is where it's at. So like redefining that for myself and figuring out like, what does that mean? And how do I get back to that place of like, I will get up on any stage that I, that people will listen or won't. And like, and I'm doing it now again, because I think it's just so exciting and it's what I love to do. And it makes me happy. This is exactly what I'm talking about on, I, you know, I, on, on Twitter, I'm very silly, but I have to reinvent myself. I've done some very cool things in comedy, uh, some things on paper, or like if you're in the business and, and you know about it and you're like, people are impressed and very thinking it's very cool. And I've gotten to this level. I have to start over again. now. I'm doing an open mic at a bowling alley every Thursday. And I found another bar on Tuesday because I'm, I, I'd like to get into the point where I can get good enough at stand-up to start doing that in the sense of like writing my own material. I have to start over again and I have to fall in love with it again. And as you know, open mics, they are a drudge. They're mud because no one's there. Everyone's waiting for their seven minutes. So just choosing to have fun. And and as you know, I'm lucky enough where I've done this long enough where 82% of this when it comes to stand up, it's just making people feel comfortable. 100%. <laughs> it's stage presence. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, go ahead. No, I, I just realized that I was like, um, I feel the exact same way. And I also think it's like, you know, so I was touring with Second City and then got agents in LA. And so it was like, okay, then that's what you do. You go to LA. Mm-hmm. I had no clue what I wanted to do. And you know, I had a little bit of a chip on my shoulder where looking back, like I could have maybe, you know, sliding doors, like another, you know, life path that I could have taken, which was, I could have just taken the three years of classes at Groundlings to try to make Sunday company. And I probably could have done it. I mean, characters were my bread, yeah. and, bro- my bread and butter, but I just yeah. kind of had this feeling of like, I already know that I can do that thing. Like what else can I learn to do? But somewhere along the way, I kind of got lost. And then we lost a lot of theaters. I mean, when iOS closed, that was like my community. That was, you know, so, and then I stumbled into stand-up and I never quite found my footing. And now I feel like it's where I'm in this space where it's like, well, I think it's because traditionally like the things that I want to talk about, especially LA audiences were like, yeah, we don't know. We don't know what that means. We don't know like yeah. what you're saying. And so yeah. I, I, I resonates with me so much when you're like, I'm back to learning. Cause I was like, Oh, the only way I'm going to figure out what this new thing is, is just by doing it. Like I, yeah. you know, and yeah. like that, and it's, that's it's a weird scary. place to be. Well, and it's scary too, because you're starting over. It took me, Rachel, it took me three years to take my first improv class because I was so scared so scared um and once i did it i was like oh this is i'm not good at this but i think i have i think i have whatever whatever is needed to to excel at whatever level i'm going to get at and i just fell in love with it and when looking back i operated on fear in chicago that's how i operated in chicago i i looked up to so many people that were doing things uh, and i was thinking well i can't do that uh and it took me like three or four years in Chicago 
And then of course, like I leave a few years after that, but it took me a few years in Chicago to realize this is my lane. I need to keep doing this and whatever, whatever's going to happen, whatever's going to open up, it's got to be in this lane because I, I can't be this person. I can't be that person. And that's been the story of my life. I've always, I've always had those horse blinders off. And whenever I have those horse blinders off where I'm thinking and I'm looking to my left and right, and that's when I stop being myself. And that's when I stop putting out stuff that I enjoy. Mm. And, you know, and I don't know where, where are you at right now? Cause you're doing a lot, you're podcasting, you're writing, you're doing, you're starting a new company and you're consulting. Um, and that's something I'm looking into as well. Where are you, where are you in all this? Um, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I, I'm sorry um, because I want to, I want to hear, <laughs> no, I think no, we're on no, the no. same, I think we're on the same wavelength. You're like we're new parents. Yeah. Yeah. Like we still want to do this thing. It's, it's not looking like how we looked like when we were 24. Our right. life isn't looking like that. It's, yeah, how are you? No, I think it's a great question. And I, um, I, I was trying to think, I was like, man, I wish I could make it funnier. But the truth is just like, I don't know. Like, I, I think like, I really know that I want to make a major impact. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay to say that now. Like it used to be like, oh, you like self-help. Oh, you want to help people? And I'm like, yeah, I do. Cause we're all fucking drowning and we don't have to be. Yeah. And I'm not saying that I have the answers, but I do believe that I have some insight that is beyond me that I am really funny. And I also know that I'm very relatable and I know that I'm very approachable, which I never liked about myself because I wanted to be super hot and unattainable. I wanted to be, you know, star quality. I walk into a room and people are like, oh, that's, you know, I wanted to be all those things, but I'm not. And the number one thing I tell people when I coach them is figure out how people view you on stage and use that to your advantage. That's the number one thing that I tell people. And I have not done that at all. And so I think it's really, you know, like becoming a mom and choosing just choosing to leave LA. I mean, that alone was a massive choice. And like, yes, I have a great agent now. Thank you very much for that introduction. And like, I've gone out, I mean, I've gone out for more things here. I've gotten more, you know, pins and avails in the last two months than I did in like four years in LA. Like that's what I'm talking about. You know, like things are working. It's a good, it's a good system here. You know, Alex and I are building a very viable business and like, I'm just expanding a lot. And I think all of those things have kind of come from the 10 years experience of me being in this business, but all of those still feel like secondary to what it is that I really want to do, which is going back to like, I just want to be on stage and talk to people. Yeah. Like everything else I'm doing is I'm only doing it so that it builds up my validity where people will be like, yeah we'll, we'll let you, you know, come and speak at this theater. That's a thousand seats and trust that you can sell those out. So yeah. only reason, yeah. I mean, I do it cause I'm good at it and I enjoy it. And it's a better way to make money than a lot of other things that I've done, you know, mm-hmm. but ultimately I just want to be back on stage connecting with people and talking about things that I feel like everybody does experience, but we don't talk about. And I want to, you know, be like, listen, you can think spirituality is like, a, you know, an other, or you can be like, oh, that's lame or weird. I'm like, or we can just be like, it's you're like, it's true. It's like real. So you can either like tune into yourself and pay attention to yourself and like save yourself some time or think that it's lame and then keep making the same mistakes. But like yeah. balls in your court, dude, you know, yeah. like, yeah, I, I just, and I, and I think it, there's a way to make it all funny and relatable. It's just that they're you know, the exciting thing about it and the scary thing is like, there aren't many voices that are doing it. You've got the Brene Browns, you've got, but it's like, but I want to be able to take these two different fields and make them one thing. Um, and I know now that's what I really, really, really want to do. I know that's what I'm here to do. Yeah. And now I just have to, I mean, I've slowly been doing it, but I haven't been like, you know, chest out being like, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. I, I think, I think there's, it's a two hander, right. Where you, you have to like make that super superhero pose and this is what I'm doing. But also at the same time, you've got life going on. 
you you're building the house. You're, you got a lot of plan. You're you just you have to really realize you just got to a new place. You have a baby. You got the support system. It's just those little chunks. And I think you and I are similar in the sense of got this idea in my head. All I have to do is think about it and let's do it. And then you start thinking, I got to do these dishes. This is slowing me down. This is, you know, and it's yeah. for me, it's it's just I've had to realize that I need to just chunk it out. And I know that's such like a, a caveman way to say it, but just chunk it out. I have a whiteboard here because I write down every day. I need to get at least one thing done on Tuesday, on Wednesday. And if you got one thing done, that's great. Today, I have to clean a wicker basket. And I have four other things. But if I clean the wicker basket, I can go to bed. And like, all right, I got one thing done. I can get the other things done. And for me, as a person that is a, and I didn't know this about myself, but my friend called me out on this the other day. Uh, she's like, man, you do so much. And I go, yeah, yeah. She's like, are you a, an overachiever? Was never an overachiever in, in school. Never an overachiever in school. Always like BCs, couple A's, always in PE or like, um, Home ec, you know, not to my own horn, but I was the uh, the only male to ever win the Home ec Award award for my senior support. Yeah, I was a Home ec student of the year. Wow. In high yeah, no big deal. Congratulations. Um, yeah, thank you. Anyway, let's move on. Um, uh, but I I was like, yeah, I guess, I guess you're right. She's like, Yeah, you're you just seem like an overachiever in the sense of, you know, you're putting all this stuff out. And I was like, Yeah, I think I think I agree with that, but also. There's just so much I want to do. And there were so many years, especially, especially in Chicago, where I didn't do what I wanted to do and didn't didn't do what I was really felt like I could do well um, because I just thought, oh, these other people will think it's stupid or this is not what I'm supposed to do. I'm yeah, supposed to do yeah. what this other person is supposed to do. No, I, yeah. I resonate with that so much because I feel like the first few years in LA, I mean, and sure, booked a couple of TV shows, did a movie, like, you know, like if you would have told me prior to moving to LA, like this is everything you do, I'd be like, yeah, that looks pretty good. But when your friends are skyrocketing, it's like, oh my God, I'm just drowning. Like, what am I doing? And now looking back, it's like, well, cause that's not what you were supposed to do. So you know, you had to go through that to get to where you are now. But I feel the same way where I was like, I spent a lot of time second guessing myself, drinking, like just kind of numbing because I was so confused and I didn't know what to do. And, you know, in LA, it's like, you look around, it seems like everybody knows what they're doing. I know now that everybody doesn't actually know what they were doing, but it felt that way. And so now, yeah, where it's like, yeah, I know what to do. Like, yes, I can start a business with my husband and like figure this out. Like we can make this a huge thing. Like, let's go, let's, you know, and I feel the same way as you where it's also this thing of, I'm like, yeah, but what else would I do? Like creating is the only thing that I know how to do. And it like, it feels kind of like Elsa from frozen. Like she's like, just throws her hands up and then like freezes things. And she's like, ah, I didn't mean to. I'm like, that's why I feel with starting new projects. Like I'll be like, well, force you cannot start a new pilot until we finish like edits on this one. Like we're not moving forward. You've got to just do. So I am proud to say that that's been a huge part of kind of my like refinement process over the last couple months, which is like, okay, let's get in a routine of like getting like, I might in my head be like, I want to be the number one podcast for a crossover of spirituality and comedy. Great. Well, first you got to get it out once a week routinely, you know? So let's that, just start there. That That's what it is. It's consistency. And you realize there's so many podcasts, but at the same time, you know, everyone, everyone makes the hack joke of, um, you know, everyone has a podcast and no one's listening to it. For me, for me, I know I don't have a lot of listeners across the board on, on the stuff that I'm putting out, but at the same time, it's helping me and, and at least a few other people really love it. Really well, love it. Well, myself included. Oh, I appreciate it. I love it. It's so fun. But, but you know, at the, at the same time, kind of going back to what you were saying earlier, is it's a grind. And then one mm-hmm. day, everybody is going to know about all these projects. And they're going to be like, oh, dude, I just went back and like started from the beginning. Like, this was so awesome. Or like, you know, all of those things. And that's, 
the thing sometimes, like I think my Alex gets frustrated sometimes because, you know, it's a lot to do our podcast together. We've got to make sure that Jonah's asleep and we could do it and then getting it out. And he kind of gets like, you know, bummed out sometimes. And I'm like, listen, our downloads have continued to, it's slow, but I'm like, it's, it's proof that what we're doing is working and mm-hmm. all we have to do is keep working. Mm-hmm. That's it. And and that's the other thing I've really, you know, it's this, this idea of refinement and then the idea that it's work. I mean, that's the other thing, which is like, you're not going to get all of these. But I mean, basically I was like, what would I do if I knew I was never going to have outside accolades? Like, what would I choose to do? What I choose to keep creating or would I just not? And it was like, oh, I guess I would choose to keep creating. It's like, great. Well, then there's your answer. Yeah. Yeah. Having, having those really hard questions that you have to think, you, you ask yourself these questions and you have to think, I've never thought about that. And I just asked myself that. <laughs> And then you have to reconsider, okay, I'm not that person that I was five years ago, two years ago, a month ago, 10 years ago. And I have to reconsider, okay, this is it. This didn't happen. And be sad about that, but you have to move on and you have to grow. It's, it's, uh, I forget who it was, but it was someone online that was, you can't take uh, L's as losses. You have to take them as like learning opportunities. Mm -hmm. And that is such like, as as a, uh, once you're a jock, you're always a jock as, as a, as an, uh, an ex jock, but current, always a jock. I'm like, yeah, you're right. Like every loss, it did hurt. But at the same time, I learned to like, Oh, follow my blocker this way. Or it's a yeah. turn. It's just different things you have to learn. Well, it's uh, game tape, right? It's, it, it, yeah. It's game tape, but also I, I, you know, as you know, uh, I can't watch myself <laughs> on, <laughs> on screen. But, but replaying stuff in my head um, and I'm learning all these new skills, especially writing and, and acting, and which I never thought I'd be doing those things. And it's, I love being, uh, I love being in those situations because I'm like, I'm not good at this and being okay with not being good is a skill. And you have to learn that being okay with, I'm not good at this, but I'm going to try. I want to give that to everybody. I want to, I want to, I would love to teach people that, especially business people. Where it's like a no can always lead to another open door or other leading questions. And I think that's what I want to do. Uh, answering my own question of like where, where you're at now. I still want to do the comedy thing. I still want to write and stuff like that. But also I'm realizing there's so many people that soft skills have just lost. Like active listening, the right questions, having empathy, sympathy. Uh, especially in the business world, I would love to start doing that. So that's where I'm kind of leaning into starting a new side business uh, and we'll see what happens with that. Um, but I also being a new parent is tough. I don't know. I'm like, I'm all over the board. I'm all over the board. And thankfully we have help, but my wife works full time. I I work when I can work. Uh, it's, but if they're all they're champagne problems, you know? Like no, that's your next podcast. Champagne problems. Yeah, they're all like uh two minutes late or my coffee is too hot. Yeah, yeah, I know. (laughs) Ah, my gardener didn't come on time and we missed the bus. Um I know, but you know, it's I'm I'm really trying to find the balance between like somebody asked me when I was at the this wedding in DC last week, the wedding that wasn't the wedding, the party. And they said, um, they were also new parents. And they said, are you struggling carving out, you know, your identity now that you're a mom? And I really kind of thought about it. And I said, to be honest, it's more about carving out the identity of mom because my mm. whole life, it's been, I'm Rachel LaForce. I'm Rachel LaForce, you know, and now it's the Rachel LaForce show. And like, that identity is so strong to me. And I think because I was so, I didn't have the confidence. I thought other people were better than me. I thought other people deserved things. And if I got it great, but, and now, and I believe that everybody deserves all these things. It's not that I do and other people don't, but it was for the first time where I was like, I'm so glad that it took me, you know, 
at least before I was 40 to be like, I have these amazing gifts and everybody else has equally amazing gifts. Like we should all just be sharing them all of the time. Like it shouldn't be, you know, I understand Hollywood, the bureaucracy of it and casting and some people are right for the job, even if other people are equally funny, et cetera. But it's like, that does mess with your head as far as like, what do you have to offer? I'm yeah. like, I do still have a lot to offer and so do other people. So grounding myself in that has been such a, um, an important part of my journey. And it's also like, how can I continue to root that, but also root in this um, identity and relationship with my son of like being a mother and like, what does that mean? And like this, the sacredness of that relationship. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I I didn't work the first, uh, you know, our, our baby was born in kind of the middle of the pandemic, like in the thick of it in 2020. And so my wife, thankfully, she got to keep working, but I, I was, I was daddy. Like I was stay at home dad. And there were times where I, I loved it. And there were for eight months, he wouldn't sleep for more than 30 minutes during the day. Oh my gosh. It would be, he had these crap naps for like, uh, and that's what they're called. Yeah. Uh, crap naps, uh, 30 minute stints for eight months. And I was like, oh, this is my life. Like, and I would try to get stuff done. And, you know, I was trying to stay productive I wouldn't take, uh, you need a break or like, this is a moment for it's like, it's just you and the baby, like enjoy this moment. I like, nope, I need to keep doing my thing. Otherwise people forget me, blah, blah, blah. No one's going to forget you. Like there's just, no one's going to forget you. You, for me, I needed to tell me, tell myself that I needed to say, no one's going to forget you. You'll never have these moments back. And I was always told that. And looking back for maybe two or three months, I, I was really fearful of, okay, well, this is my life now. Instead of saying, this is an opportunity that no one gets because a lot of people, they have to go right back to work and they just see their baby when they wake up and they put them down to bed. So really enjoying these moments. And now he's so much fun. He's almost two. And he is like, he's so funny and goofy. And he's like, he's just very, he's very sensitive and he cries at little things now. And and he's just so, so much fun. But I think for me, I knew I've, I've had that energy since I was like 11 or 12. Like I'd be at sleepovers, checking the locks, checking the thermostat before bed. Sure, sure. Uh, I would have that energy. And so I just knew that I would, I would enjoy being a dad. And then when it happened, I, I, I was like, oh, I thought I would enjoy this more because I thought I'd be working and I thought I'd, all this stuff. And I planned it out in my head and it didn't go as planned. And you can be as flexible as a person as possible. You can be the most flexible person in the world. But once you have a baby, the universe says you're not that flexible. <laughs> yeah. You- well, I love hearing you share all of that because I, yeah. So Jonah just turned one and now I'm like so obsessed with him. Yeah. I like, he goes to bed and I just like stare at the monitor and I like, sometimes have like super scary thoughts of like, Oh my God, if something happened to him, like, I don't know what I would do. And then I think about people who lose their children. And I'm like, I I like, can't imagine like what kind of loss that is. And like, just my heart is expanding at a rate that I can't, I almost can't keep up with because it's, it's like just getting bigger and bigger. And it's like, you know, cause he's a part of you, but then at the same time, like, I'm like, I've never, I've never like, wanted to know more about anyone that I just met. And like, you're not even talking to me yet, you know, Yeah. yeah. but I'm just like, you're so weird, but you're cool. And you're super like just all of the lessons that I'm already learning from him. But I do think that it's, it's interesting to hear it from your perspective. Cause I think it's a lot of like toxic mommy culture, which I feel like I was sold a bag of beans when people are like, Oh, your baby. You're going to be at home with your baby Mm -hmm. and it's going to be golden and you and your baby. And I was like, that was a fucking nightmare. (laughs) Like, well, because, because we have, oh, go ahead. No, but it's like, yeah. I mean, you don't sleep. And then if you're like learning to breastfeed, that's a whole, I'm sure your journey with that was wild. And, (laughs) you know, but like learning to do that. And then, you know, and just, yeah, when like they sleep or they don't sleep and then, and then you're also experiencing this new um, side of your relationship with your spouse too, right? Of now we're co-parenting. So you're developing this new communication. 
And so the number one thing I feel like now looking back that it taught me kind of what you're talking about earlier is like, oh, the world doesn't slow down for our moments. We just have to choose to take them. Like it really taught me a sense of ownership that, you know, I think for so long was that desperation, that LA desperation of like, oh yeah, no, I can be, I can be ready now. It's fine. Nope. It's I can be in Santa Monica in 15 minutes. Even if I was going to spend the last amount of money I had to make it there when they screwed up, but now they need me there and I'm going to do everything I can to be there. And it's just this desperation is dripping off me. Mm -hmm. And yes, that's a part of the business. You know, they jump, you say how high there is an aspect of that. But I do think that there is a sense of ownership that is sexy. And I think there's a sense of ownership, even for ourselves, that just grounds us, which is like, they're not going to forget me and fuck them if they do. Like I'm here, you know, I'm doing this thing. And once, once I, once I had the, once we, we had the baby, once we had the baby, I was like, I've said no to things and I've like, I've said, yeah, I'll get it. I'll get the tape to you when I can get the tape to you. Like I'm, I'm watching the baby and, and you think, and you think they care and you think they're going to be down your throat. They don't, they don't, they don't email back. They just say, okay. And then it just moves on. It moves on. I, for me, the desperation really, uh, dropped when I had the baby and there's there's some senses of it because there's some things that I really like and I really feel like I can do this thing but I'm I am I'm the stay-at-home parent you know and that and speaking of like the mommy culture like there's like nothing for dads and and here and here's here's the bummer thing and it's sad that this happens but there's so much like parenting uh, content online where it's like Oh, the dad, the dad should be doing more, or it's like the dad's a fun dad, and it's like that is uh you can just tell you can just tell the parents don't like each other because there's not communication or there's no yeah. it's team. There's a team. Yeah, like we're team, we're team Kimball over here. Like we're like they're gonna hand you off, and sometimes it's you get in that flow, like it's like a fast break where you don't have to look at anybody, like you know that ball person's gonna be right there and you throw that ball. There's so many like our communication has gotten better since we've had, we've had a baby because yeah. it's like, you feel it. Um, I'm, I'm diaper. I don't mind doing diapers. Like the first, you know, not to toot my own horn, but like the first, uh, first two months of him being born, Jenny didn't do a diaper. I did Good all. You. Good for hey, you. Toot, yeah. toot. Um, but that was just, that was like just how I support um, and that's another thing, like too, I, I've been following a lot of uh, uh, like dad, dad consultants, dad coaches or whatever. Right. And there's so many, so many things that we need to fix. I had a great childhood. I have great parents, but there's so many things that were like, oh yeah, that's, that was a little quote unquote traumatic. And there's, that's a spectrum. Trauma is a spectrum as well. Right. And it's like, oh, that needs to be shifted and, and, and things like that. Um, but I, I don't know, as a person, as a comedian, as a whole person, having a baby, I can't, I can't uh, suggest it enough. <laughs> it is hard and it's amazing yeah. and it's fun. Uh, leaving the house is a whole thing now. Um, uh, there was a stint where Charlie would just be angry and, you know, he can't talk. So and he would, he would just slam his head, not hard, but he would like bang his head because he was angry. And we're like, okay, well, this is going to be a thing for the rest of his life. And so it's just, and now he's out of it. He doesn't do that anymore. He's just like, he's a sad little boy and he cries and we hold him. And so it just ebbs and flows. Um, I don't know. It's just been that, that bleeds into everything that I do now. Like my family is my, my whole thing. And you're just going to have to accept that about me. Yeah. Deal with but, it. But see, I, but I think, you know, I think I've also really come around to like, oh, I'm, if I'm also going to be somebody who's a forward voice of being like, we can redefine and look at life and, and walk in life, however we choose. Cause yeah. everything around us is literally made up because somebody was like, Oh, this is the way it is. And we all went, okay. And we are all free to do that at any time, which was, that's how I felt about having a family and kind of like changing this trajectory of my career. And it's also, you know, the acceptance of around the time that you and I moved to LA the industry was already shifting, but the industry in the way that it is now is vastly different. 
than eight years ago now when I moved to LA. It's a different landscape. And how you succeed is different. What success looks like is different. How you can attain that is different. What shows, what shows they're looking for, what movies they're looking for, like who's attached, like it's and 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 I am I am all for for everyone being uh included and we should look for different voices and and uh, people that look different and different different lifestyles but they like there's almost like uh I don't know how to say it it's just way different from yeah. how and it literally once I landed they were like it just changed on what they were looking for to put to put out there it's it's really interesting but it's great at the same time because it just gets more voices out there and i totally support that totally support that because otherwise we wouldn't, we wouldn't have these stories that we would have no idea we get to expose people that have like they turn on netflix and netflix looks totally netflix looks totally different now and people well, get to like i think of res dogs res yeah. dogs wouldn't happen 10 years ago yep it's awesome And I think there's so many examples of that. And we've been able to, that's something that I've looked at too. Like if I look at it through a spiritual perspective, which is like, okay, we're ushering in voices into mainstream, you know, Hollywood that needed to be there. It it was the time to make that shift. Mm -hmm. So now where does my voice need to go? Where, like, if I'm looking at this, you know, kind of from that bird's eye view, where am I needed now? Right. If it's not about the ego part of like, well, I'm supposed to be famous and win an Emmy. It's like, okay, that may not be the landscape right now. So where, where can I go so I can be best of service? Because- where can a giant straight white guy tell his story? <laughs> That's my question. <laughs> Listen, I'm a huge white man and I just want to tell my story. Great as an arrow. But I grew up going to summer camp. I like ice cream. Where's my stories? You know, but here's something that's interesting though, Ross, which is, you know, when you talk about wanting to work with like leaders or businesses and talking about these things like empathy and redefining kind of a lot of the ways that we communicate, and I'm maybe putting this on you, but specifically with men in higher positions of power of how do we better communicate to create better systems? That's also a place that I feel like we need voices like yours yeah. because you're a very manly, like masculine man, right? You walk into the room, you're very tall. We're already going to assert you with kind of this power in this sense, but you also have this very, very deep empathy that enables you to really see people. And I think you're a real like encourager. That's why randomly I messaged you. I was like, dude, do you have a script about, you know, like a, a down and out, you know, old, you know, pro player who, you know, basically like, do you have a Mighty duck script? And you're like, yeah, I got a couple. I'm like, okay, cool. Because that's, you know, like to me, it's like yeah. that, that is your lane. When I think of you, I just, I really do think of like heart. And I don't, I don't think that they're, and obviously like unbelievably funny earlier when you said something of like, I'm still learning how to be good at writing or something. I'm like, don't start screaming at him. But I'm like, learning, I've read, I've read your scripts. They're unbelievably funny. <laughs> you are so funny. You're one of those people that like, when I'm with you, I'm just like, don't do bits, don't do bits, don't do bits. Because you just have that zing, zing, boom, boom, you know? And there, there are people who I think are mechanically funny. They've learned how to be funny but couldn't entertain you off stage if they saved your life, you know, to save your life. It's just like, uh-huh. and that I'm just not interested in anymore, which was also a lot of the reason I, I had to get out of the open mic scene. Cause I was like, I, my soul is going to die here. I'm going to die. Yeah. Yeah. I just got to get myself on tape so I can send my tapes up, but I got one tonight. That'll be fun. Oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, so what do you, okay. So you're, you're talking about wanting to kind of like shift into this new space. You've got three podcasts out right now. Yeah. And where do you, I mean, I know, I know she'll book it a little bit, doing a couple things here and there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's a, there's something uh, I can talk about later on. Uh, I filmed something uh, that's going to be on Amazon in the fall. Um, and it's very exciting. I, I'm, I'm like, I'm a main character and it's eight episodes. And oh my gosh. Like, I'll tell you off air. It's cool. Okay. It's a cool thing. Yeah. Um, and uh yeah just writing uh, being a dad uh put myself on tape for things just trying to you know and maybe i jumped the jump the proverbial gun when i was talking about doing the whole consulting thing but um 
I really feel that there is an opening that I can I can fill, not to change it, but just to just to influence people, especially business guys, because you meet these guys that are really successful, but they're there's no soft skills. There's no um, it's about them. And and in business, for me, you know, I'm not doing giant things in business, but my dad is always, he's taught me a lot of people are more likely to buy from you or call you up again if they trust you or if you make them feel comfortable. It's like comedy. You're you're not gonna, if you see someone on stage and they're uncomfortable, you're uncomfortable. Yeah. It's like anything. If we're if we're on a first date or if we're just uh if you're standing next to me in the buffet line. If you're making me feel uncomfortable, I'm going to be uncomfortable. It's just, and I think I have that gift, uh, you know, given down to me of just making people feel comfortable because I am, I'm a very tall, imposing person. I know that about me. So I had to, I had to play small a lot in the sense of not giving myself too much attention, even though that's impossible because people are looking. So from that, I just had to be like, Hey, listen, I'm not a threat. We're good. Hey, we're going to have a good time. And actually I'm here to listen. And are you cool? You're cool. Oh, what are you into? Oh, great. I'm not into that, but tell me more about that. So that whole rant, I think, I think I'm, I'm, I'm building a, like a, a four or five week course on that. Um, I like to speak more. I like to host. I like to MC. There's two, like, again, there's too many things I'd like to do. Um, I'd like to do things, uh, where uh i don't know like hosting events like conferences things like that i don't know i just i want to buy a minivan rachel that's all i, <laughs> I need it, the man. cash i get it <laughs> minivans are expensive well you know I, but yeah I there's, a, there's a there's a bunch i want to do so well yeah. and i think similarly the other thing that i've really done is i've gone oh there isn't an order in which i'm supposed to do this mm, that mm-hmm. was handed down to me from you know, the toxic palace that is the second city where Mm -hmm. it was like, oh, I'm going to do all these shows that I'm going to get hired. Then I'm going to go on a cruise. Then I'm going to be able to do the touring company. Then I'm going to get hired to a stage. Then Lauren's going to come see me. Then I'm going to get SNL. Then I'm going to be able to make my own TV show that, you know, and it's like, yeah, that, that path does work for a few people, but that path isn't even necessarily that path anymore. And so, yeah. You know, where it was like, oh, and I feel similarly to you where I'm like, I've always had to find my own way. I've never, you know, where I'm like, I in social situations and relationships and all these things and not being like, I'm a lone wolf. Just like, look at me. Listen, I would have rather have like been a part of the pack. Okay. I didn't choose this. But yeah, I think, you know. But Rachel, hold on, Rachel, I don't mean to interrupt, but going with what you said, I think. You wouldn't be where you're at if you weren't like a lone wolf. If you were with the pack, it would be, you would just be keep doing what everyone's doing and what everyone quote unquote expects of you, which isn't what you expect of yourself. For me, I, I auditioned, I had the I audition for a, a cruise ship, didn't get it. Thought to myself, okay, well, I guess comedy isn't the thing that I'm doing. When I saw my other friends getting cruise ships and getting stages and things like that, Second City, wasn't in my path. IO was my path. Doing like character shows at bars, signing up as a character at open mics and doing that at bars. No, no one knew what I was doing. And these were like music open mics. I wouldn't bring a guitar. I would just get up there and do my character and get better. And that led to auditioning for SNL. That led to like a lot of crazy things. So just talking to you and, and, and everyone listening, you can't expect to be the person that in your mind that you want to be, if you're just doing what everyone is expecting of you, you have to surprise yourself. And more importantly, you have to scare yourself and keep moving forward. In my, in my opinion, in my opinion, but that's so just I think my, right. I think, I think you have to be willing. I mean, I also felt, I feel very, I think the other reason why I'm like, I just want to talk to people on stage and why I do so many vocal things is because even, I mean, still one of my big, big dreams is to, you know, write, star in, and produce a show. I mean, that's yeah. what I, I still really want to make TV, yeah. but I want to be making TV where like, I'm a shot caller, you know? And it's like, that's something I really want to do. I want to tell stories and I want to tell other people's stories. And that's something that I, you know, is still a very, very big goal of mine, but that's where it just, I felt a lot of opportunities. I still was only using like 
a percentage of my voice. And sure. I never understood what that constriction was. And now I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's what it was. That I just had a lot more that I wanted to, to share and talk about. So it's like, okay, I just have to trust that this will resonate with people. And, and that was another thing where, you know, I've been asking myself this question of like, what is my why? Why do I want to do this? And it was like, I think it's really because I've always said that if I can make somebody laugh with what I'm saying, it doesn't make me feel so alone that they understand what it is that I'm saying because laughter is recognition. And so I'm like, okay, if I can talk about things I really want to, you know, like intuition or all of these like major changes or what all mm-hmm. of this shit means and still elicit a laugh. I'm like, that's, yeah. that's the pocket that I want to be in. I think for me, I, I, I for my why is I, I'd feel empty. I'd feel yeah. still searching if I wasn't doing this. Uh, and then also the Kia Telluride, the 2023 Kia Telluride is my big why. Um, you know, I can say, I could totally see you being a sponsor because Catherine <laughs> Hahn is sponsor of the Chrysler. So is Dak Shepard. They need a Ross Kimball. And, and those people need free things. They do. They really do. Isn't that fun how that works? <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, Ross Kimball, I know we've got to let you get back to being a dad, doing the self tapes, doing uh, all the oh, things. So many self tapes. I could talk to you for literally hours about it's too easy and rachel let's just talk about this we're happily married we have children but let's talk about this it would have been fun to go on a wine date with you just a date (gasps) just a simple date would have been very fun very chilling that'd be great not in a scary chilling but like a chilling way (laughs) oh this is very chill uh this is fun yeah just so you know this is like this is very casual it's very fun um, no, I agree. Cause there's not a lot of people. I feel like that you can, you're just so easy to talk to and it's well, I appreciate so, that. yeah, it's so refreshing, but I also feel, and we didn't get into it on this podcast. Cause again, I could talk to you for hours, but I feel like a lot of similarly, the way that you were raised and the way that you showed up in those environments is also very similar to the tactics that I developed in order yeah. to kind of survive and, and, uh, be seen but also at the same time kind of hide so oh and and like trying to run away from that and like hiding it and and like and now coming to the point of like yeah that was my life and I had a weird quote-unquote weird childhood than you like my college experiences were different than you like and and so and that just influences the rest of your life you know so I agree anywho uh Ross Kimball uh located in Los Angeles California willing to shave okay and these are my hands (laughs) Um, I hate, let's talk about this three seconds. I hate showing my hands on self tapes. They're craggly. I played volleyball. So like my, both my pinkies are pointing North and South. It's not. Okay. That is such a specificity. That's hilarious. (laughs) I have just giant hands for a woman. I do just very large hands. And so I like every time I have to do it, I feel like it's an SNL sketch. It looks like I have fake hands. They're like, oh, I'm, miss, we're asking you to put down the foam fingers. Just take the foam finger I off. Mean, and then you <laughs> For real, I'm always like, oh, well, she had the gig until we had to show up <laughs> our hands. Well, and the other thing that I'm like, how many people, like yeah. how many people with missing fingers did they book before they were like, listen, we got to have these actors show us man. their hands. We oh, can't man. do this again. I mean, what happened? To where Maybe. that was a part of the audition process. Oh, you know, like like a person booked it and Minute Maid was like, we're so happy you're here, blah, blah, blah. And then they show a hand and like no thumbs. Yes. And they're we like, can't, we can't, well, we can't show them person. picking up the, the sweaty glass of OJ. Yeah. We like, can't what are we going to do that? <laughs> exactly. This woman's supposed to hold a peanut butter jar? I don't <laughs> think so. Um, hey, before we, before we end, and you're going to close up because it's your podcast. Um, yep. Every... Every soft serve ice cream you see on screen is mashed potatoes. Rachel, hit it. Oh, wait. Oh, my God. I didn't know that. You didn't know that? Also, did you know that the maple syrup on TV and commercials, maple syrup, motor oil. Rachel, hit it. Wow. Guys, you heard it here first. Uh, I've been talking with comedian, podcaster, uh, you know, mentor to the C-suite individuals father of the year that's right this is ross kimball and you can find him oh i got him i got him (laughs) ross where can we find you 
Uh, at me, Ross Kimball, kind of everywhere, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, and then rosskimball.com is my website. I still have it. Um, but if you go to me, Ross Kimball, like if Tarzan was saying my name, me, Ross Kimball, um, all my stuff is there. I appreciate you guys. Bye, guys.